Welcome to the Supernatural Life Podcast with Chad Gonzalez, a podcast all about helping you connect with God so you can manifest God to the world. Now, here's your host, Pastor Chad Gonzalez. Hey friends, this is Chad Gonzalez. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Supernatural Life Podcast. It's our goal to help you connect with God so you can manifest God to your world. We're so excited to start off this new year with you, 2021. We're believing this is going to be a tremendous year. I finished off 2020 on a really high note, and we're just carrying that through into 2021. Looking forward to the great things God is going to do this year. Looking forward to getting back into the countries, the nations, and doing our healing conferences, and going into the churches more and more here in the U.S. and holding our Healing Academy trainings. Speaking of that, if you are a pastor, you are a church leader and you'd be interested in having us come and do a healing academy training we've got two volumes those are actually 18 sessions but we condense those and do trainings and churches for either church staff or we can do it for the whole church and then we'll take you out and we'll put some of these things into practice we'll go out and do some street ministry and just uh kind of have some lecture and some lab so it's really really good we've seen great results with that and if you'd like for us to do that, just let us know. Uh, we cover all of the expenses. We're not concerned about the finances at all. We just want to get this message out and uh, allow the church to take these demonstrations and manifestations of God into the world. Speaking of the Healing Academy, we released Volume 2 last month. So if you haven't been able to partake of that, you can go to the website, jump on there. The digital version is $35. Uh, we also have the physical version as well where you get the paperback books, but uh, most people have been doing the digital. It's only 35 bucks, and you get all of the digital downloads of the books and all the videos are made available. You can check that out. We've got one book that we're working on that goes with volume two. We were a little late in getting that out because of some production issues, but it's called Alternate Reality. I am pumped about it. Uh, we're just getting down and dealing with some things in regards to our identity and really just beginning to see things the way that we're supposed to see them, seeing them according to God's reality. Some great, great stuff in there, and we know it's going to have a tremendous impact uh, for many, many people. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, also, we're doing an online conference right now uh, with Rhema Ukraine. Uh, we're doing uh, eight episodes, eight sessions on faith for the supernatural. So if you'd be interested in checking that out, you can go to my website or you can go to Rhema Ukraine. Uh, Facebook page, and you can check that out. Some good stuff taking place there. Uh, we've been doing quite a few of these online uh, conferences throughout uh, the last few months. We did one for Malaysia. Some of these places we were supposed to be in person, we've had to do them online, but I would just ask you, hey, let's hook up together and let's be believing for the countries to open up, travel to open up, so we can get there and be in person and help people really experience some wonderful manifestations of God. And speaking of Ukraine, uh, one of our projects, and this is what we've been doing for a while, we've been working on our book translations. And so uh, we're looking to get two of our books translated into Russia this year. And so if you'd like to partner with us on that, you can go to our website. It's jackgonzalez.com. Become a dream team partner and help us in our book translation project. Uh, we've called it Books Around the World. Uh, currently, we have translations in Korean, uh, Spanish, uh, Polish, and uh, in Chinese. And so we're working to start 
uh, getting several of these done in, in more of the European uh, countries. And so if you'd like to hook up with us in that, we'd very much appreciate it. And then the last thing I want to make mention of to you before we get into our teaching for today is that we're looking to hold our first Healing Alliance gathering, uh, the very first part of the summer. And so if you'd be interested in attending that, if you would, just please contact us. You can email us through the website. Uh, you can contact us on our Facebook page through Messenger. Just let us know if you'd be interested. Uh, we're looking to try to get some numbers as far as those who would be attending. We're kind of wanting to keep it small, uh, keep it a little bit more intimate. But just the message, just let us know if you'd be interested. And um, then we'll be getting the details on that uh, here in the next month or two. All right, well, let's get into this month's episode. We're going to talk about when it didn't work the first time. Now, those of you that know some things about our faith and our authority and prayer, we have all been in situations in which we have prayed. We have ministered to someone. We've laid hands on someone, uh, whether it's for sickness or disease, whether it was casting out a devil. We've ministered to someone, and it didn't seem to work the first time we did that. Well, what do you do? Well, there's three common positions that you can take. Number one, you could take the position that it just wasn't God's will. And that's where about 99% of Christians are. Well, it just wasn't God's will. Or in this one, that it wasn't God's timing. And then the third common position that you could take, and this is where uh, the majority of what we would call faith people, spirit-filled faith people are at, is taking the position of, well, the person I was ministering to, they just weren't in faith. And it's in three, these three uh, positions that you're going to find the vast majority of Christians when it comes to prayer, and it didn't work the first time. Well, if we simply read the Bible and we look at Jesus, we know that the first two positions are just horribly non-scriptural. We know that Jesus was the perfect will of God in action, and he never turned anyone away for healing that came to him. And we know it was always God's will to heal them, and the timing was always now. Why? Well, because healing has already been provided. Especially in this day and age, in the age of grace, healing has already been provided through Jesus. He took our sins and he took our sickness and disease. So it's a thing of the past. First Peter 2.24 says, By his stripes we were healed. So if that was in the past, that means now is the time for healing. So uh, God's will isn't an issue and God's timing isn't an issue. Well, what about that, that third position? Well, yeah, there's some, there's some situations which people aren't in faith, but I've been really been looking at this thing of when people come to me, when they're coming and asking me to lay hands on them, they're looking at me to, to minister to them. Well, there's got to be some faith there. I mean, Jesus said even mustard seed faith, even a little bit would move a mountain. So, I mean, if someone's coming to me, there's got to be even an ounce of faith. And if there's an ounce of faith, I can work with that. God can work with that. And so what if there was a fourth option? What if there was a fourth position? You know, we said three common positions are it wasn't God's will, it wasn't God's timing, or they weren't in faith. But what if there was a fourth option? Well, thankfully, there is. We're going to look at a few situations today. Uh, we're going to look at uh, some with Elisha and look at some with Jesus. And then I'll, I'll give you a personal example of, of one in particular I've dealt with that just really had a tremendous impact on me. But let's start off in looking at Elisha. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 4, 
And I'm going to read this to you out of the New Living Translation. I'm going to read a little bit here. The Second Kings chapter 4 and verse 18, this is a story of the, the son of the Shunammite woman. And uh, in verse 18, it says, One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvesters. And suddenly he cried out, My head hurts, my head hurts. His father said to one of his servants, Carry him home to his, his mother. Uh, just based off that, we're assuming maybe he had an aneurysm or something like that. Verse 20, it says, A servant took him home, and his mother held him on her lap, and around noontime he died. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. Now, if you read prior to this, in the beginning of, of chapter 4, you read where uh, the Shunammite woman had met uh, Elisha, and he had asked her you know, what it was that she needed or was it what it was that she wanted. She, they found out that she didn't have a son, and so he told her, you know, this time next year you'll have a son. And she had uh, created a, a room for him to stay at. And so this is what this is talking about here. Uh, he had a, a room there, uh, and, his, and she took the child and laid him on the bed. So she sent a message to her husband in verse 22 and said, Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right away. 23, he said, Why go today? It's either a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said, I will be all right. So she sat on the donkey and said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. And as she approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. And he said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband and your child? Yes, the woman told Gehazi, everything is fine. But when she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, Leave her alone. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, Don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Then Elisha said to Gehazi, Get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the mother, the boy's mother said, As surely as the Lord lives with you and you yourself live, I will not go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead and laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elisha and told him, The child is still dead. When Elisha arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone, shut the door behind him, and prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elisha got back up, walked over across the room once, and then came and stretched, him out, stretched himself out again on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, Here, take your son. She fell at his feet, bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude, and then took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. So now let's go back and let's look at some, some powerful statements here in this, in this story here. Number one, we see that the mother, the Shunammite woman, the mother, she was obviously in faith because uh, when the boy uh, had this incident and they laid him on the bed, uh, she got the donkey, got the servant, and went to the man of God, went to Elisha. And notice uh, several times she said, everything's going to be okay. 
And she gets there and then uh, talks to Elisha and Gehazi, is told by Elisha to go to the boy and put the staff on his body. And the mother will not leave. Now think about this. The man of God gives the direction, gives the command, gives it to his servant. His servant's heading to the house where the boy is at, and the mom won't leave Elisha, even though uh, Gehazi is going with his staff. And we know that in Old Testament times, that staff, that was a big deal. With these prophets, that staff, that represented the anointing for them. Remember with Moses, that represented the anointing. And Elisha must have had enough confidence here, must have had enough faith here, that he knew that he was given a direction, given a directive, a command of faith, and that it would come to pass. Well, the Shunammite woman will not go home without Elisha going, so they travel back. And when they get there, Gehazi lets them know, hey, I did what you told me to do. I laid the staff on his face, but nothing happened. Now, we've all been in a situation like that, in which uh, we went to minister to someone, went to pray for someone. We did what we uh, felt like or sensed that we were supposed to do, and it didn't work. Nothing happened the first time. Well, what do you do? Well, most people right there would just give up. Most people right there would assume it wasn't the will of God, it wasn't God's timing. Most people would assume that the other person wasn't in faith, but I mean, one, the child is dead. Number two, we know that that mother was in faith. She left her child, and she went and traveled to Mount Carmel to find Elisha. And she was looking at Elisha to be the deliverer. And we know that Elisha was in faith because Elisha sent Gehazi back with his staff and said, I want you to do this. And Elisha obviously expected a result. He expected when that staff was laid on that boy's face that that boy would come back to life, but nothing happened. So here you have a situation in which here's Elisha. I mean, he's the man of God. He's the deliverer. He's the prophet in the land. He gives a command of faith. They acted on their faith. You know, there was action to their words. And they did that and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Well, what do you do? Well, this is where you find out where that fourth position is, so to speak, that fourth option. Not that it wasn't God's will. We know it was God's will for that boy to be healed. We know it was God's timing for that boy to be healed. We know that that mother was obviously in faith and Elisha was in faith. So you can eliminate all three of those. So what's the issue here? Well, Elisha realizes something is missing. It didn't work the way it was supposed to. So notice what he does here. Verse 32, it says, Elisha arrived, the child was dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. Elisha went in alone, he shut the door behind him and prayed to the Lord. He shuts out Gehazi, he shuts out the mother, he shuts out the father, he shuts out everyone, and he goes into the room with the dead boy, and he begins to pray. Obviously, something was missing, and it wasn't God. Elisha needed direction from the Holy Spirit as to what to do. So many times we pray once and we give up. But if we're the deliverer in that situation, and we are, it is our responsibility to connect with God and find out what it is that we are to say or to do. Find out what it is that we are to say or to do. Well, after he prays to the Lord, obviously he got some direction. So he went and laid down on the child's body 
And it says he put his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. He stretched out on him. And what was on the inside of him, the anointing, the life of God, the, the glory of God flowing out of Elisha flowed into that boy's body. And it says the body began to grow warm again. Elisha got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and then he went and stretched himself out again on the child. So what he did the very first time didn't work. What he did the second time, his direction from the Lord, started getting results, but it wasn't a full result, and Elisha didn't give up. You, you, there's a persistence, there's a tenacity, there is a boldness when it comes to faith for the supernatural and acting on God's behalf. I mean, we've got to get to a point where there's absolutes, that there's no turning back, there's no, there's no plan B, there's no other option. It's either God or nothing. And yet it should be the, the stance that when God gives me a direction, when God gives me a, a, something to do, when he gives me a command, when he gives me a commission, I do not turn back, I do not stop, I do not retreat, I continue moving forward, I continue doing what he told me to do until I get the result that I know that I'm supposed to get. And this is what happened with Elisha. And the second time that he laid on the boy, it says the boy sneezed seven times and he opened his eyes. So Elisha got uh, the result that he needed to get. He got that result. Let's look at another example here, and this is with Jesus. How many of you realize that there's a couple of times in which Jesus ministered to people, and he didn't get a result the first time? And this was the Son of God. Now, again, like we have always uh, made sure and, and reiterate this, this, this powerful, powerful truth, and this needed truth is that Jesus was doing life as a man. He was doing life like you and I, a man anointed by God, filled and united with God. He's doing life just like you and I. And yet we know that Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only, only say what I hear the Father say. Jesus was the perfect representation of the Father. And yet we also know that because Jesus, as a man, he's growing in wisdom, he's growing in revelation, he's growing in his dominance, in his soul of things. And yet, even with all these things at his disposal, he still has to yield and listen to the Holy Spirit in these situations exactly the same way that you and I do. So let's go over to Mark chapter 5, and we are going to look at the story of the madman of Gadara. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And now, in verse 6, it says, When he saw Jesus from afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Now, this was a spirit crying out. This wasn't the madman saying this. This was the spirit, this demonic spirit. Verse 8, it says, Jesus said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Now, we need to stop right here because just reading this in, in all of our translations, we miss out on something powerful here. 
because we just read in our English translations, Jesus said to him, come out of the man unclean spirit. And then in verse nine, Jesus asked him, what is your name? But in the Greek, the little Greek, it reads in verse eight, instead of saying, Jesus said to him, come out of the man unclean spirit, the Greek, it literally reads like this. For Jesus said to him and kept saying to him, come out of 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 him. This was a present continuous uh, statement. Jesus was repeatedly stating, come out of him, come out of him, you unclean spirit, come out of him. Jesus did not just say this one time and then stop and say, hey, what's your name? No, obviously, this must have been going on for a little bit because in the Greek, it literally says Jesus continued to say, come out of him, come out of him, come out of him. Jesus was exerting his authority. He was exerting his dominion. Now, here's the question, and this may seem like an odd question, especially for for us that we would consider ourselves faith people, charismatic spirit feel, whatever label you want to put on it. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in our authority. What do you do when you exert dominion, when you exert your authority, and it doesn't work? Now, that seems like a really, really odd uh, question, an odd statement there, when you exert your dominion and it doesn't work. Well, we know Jesus was not lacking in authority here. He was not lacking in dominion here. But something was wrong. Something, something wasn't working here. And yet we know that Jesus ha- had a very, very intimate relationship and fellowship with the Father, hearing and seeing from him. And so we don't know how many times Jesus had continued to say, come out, come out, come out. But at whatever point he stopped, he had to get some direction. And obviously the direction he got from the Holy Spirit was, ask, them, ask the demon's name. What is your name? This is the only time that we find Jesus asked the name of a demon. And yet, unfortunately, we have seen uh, people over the years take this one instance of Jesus dealing with devils and, and turn, turn a, a uh, you know, deliverance ministry and always asking the devil's name. Well, this is the only time we see Jesus do that, and it's obviously because it was uh, by the leading of the Holy Spirit as the reason why he stopped what he was doing, and he stopped and he asked, what is the name? And the, the demon spirit answered and said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And then he begged Jesus earnestly that Jesus wouldn't send him out of the country. Verse 11 there says there was a large herd of swine feeding there near the mountains. And all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. And the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And the result was the, the madman of Gadara was delivered. Jesus got some clothes on him and he was now in his right mind. But here we see a powerful, powerful situation in which Jesus exerts his authority and dominion and it didn't work. Well, what do you do? Well, it's this piece of fellowship, this piece of looking to and yielding to the Holy Spirit. It is absolutely crucial. When we've done what we know to do, we need to pray and find out what to do that we didn't know to do. Let me say that again. When we've done what we know to do and it didn't work, we need to pray and find out what to do that we didn't know to do. 
you know, we, many of us, we know the scriptures about different situations, and we know some things about exerting our authority and power, our dominion with our words. But, you know, there's going to be some times we don't know all of the information in a situation, and we may not be handling it properly. And here's a good sign if you're not handling it properly, <laughs> if you didn't get a result the first time, or the second time, or the third time. Obviously, we're missing it somewhere. And we know God's not missing it. We're missing it somewhere. And so, again, if we're going to see ourselves as the deliverer in that situation, and we are, then we have a responsibility to hear from God, connect with Him, and find out what it is that we need to do. Again, don't, don't do like people have done and make it an automatic deal of asking the name of a demon and talking to it and getting information. We don't need all of that. Jesus did that one time that, we, that we're aware of. All the other times, he cast them out with a word and gave himself as an example for all of the disciples that he sent out. He cast them out with a word. That was the way he normally did it. But in this situation, he did what he normally did, and it didn't work. And that's Jesus, folks. It didn't work. But he just had to get directed from the Holy Spirit as to what to do in this. And once he got it from the Holy Spirit, he did what the Holy Spirit said to do, and it worked, and it got a result. Why? Because Jesus always gets results. Well, look, we're out of time for uh, today. We're going to pick this back up. We're going to do a part two next month on uh, what to do when it didn't work the first time. I've got a great story I want to tell you uh, that happened for me, and we've got several others we can add, and another situation with Jesus that we'll look at. So uh, take into consideration these things. Spend much time praying on the Holy Ghost. We're putting a great emphasis on prayer this year and our fellowship with the Father. Spend time looking at these things. Go to our website, chagonzalez.com. Check out the things that are going on. If you'd love to be a partner with us, we would love to have you a part of our team with us. So praise God. Bless you so much. This is going to be a great year, a brand new year, 2021. Remember that in Christ, we always win. We'll talk to you next time.